RadioInfluence.com. This podcast was recorded prior to the Rock the Red convention, which is mentioned being postponed and moved from this weekend to May 5th through 7th. RadioInfluence.com. Exposing the attempted communist takeover of our nation is the topic we'll do a deep dive into with guest Trevor Loudon on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. There are many dangerous enemies to our nation outside of the U.S. of A., and we basically know who they are. But are you aware of the enemies within our nation who systematically have been breaking us down and tearing us apart for the sole intent of ushering in communism? Your eyes will be open wide on this regard after listening to Loudon, a renowned authority on this topic, who leaves no stone unturned in unmasking this imminent threat to our freedom and liberty. This podcast is available on RadioInfluence.com or your favorite podcast platform. A great way to show your support is by subscribing to this podcast, give it a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the broadcast. I'm not going to make my custom opening statement here. I'm going to pass and give all of the time for this podcast to the man who I have the utmost respect for in breaking down this scary but necessary topic. So let's get into it. You know, every now and then I talk about some people that I could listen to forever talk. And, and my guest tonight is a person I could listen to talk forever. I, I never get tired of listening to Mr. Trevor uh, Loudon. And, and what's really interesting about that is the topic that Trevor talks about is a topic that nobody wants to hear about. And it, it's a topic that has people, if you really understand what he's saying and understand he's giving you mega doses of truth, this topic basically puts you on a bridge wondering, am I going to jump off before somebody pushes me off? Yet I still can't get enough of listening to this man. Quote, I feel the majority of Americans have no idea the socialism the left is toying around with really is a covert communist movement. Close quote, Trevor Loudon. He's got 30 years of experience researching the radical left Marxism and terrorist movements and their covert influence on mainstream politics, not only in the United States, but around the world. He's an author, filmmaker, and public speaker from Christchurch, New Zealand, and he believes these forces, these evil radical forces, must be exposed and countered as America continues to have a role of freedom as a bastion of it. For us to do that, he says it's pivotal for the future of Western civilization. This gets exposed. The author of several books, several documentaries, the latest book with one I'm sure to come, White House Reds, Communist, Socialist and Security Risks Running for the United States President 2020. Glad to speak once again with Mr. Trevor Loudon. How you doing, Trevor? Good, thanks, Gary. And, uh, you know, we've got a new movie out now, Enemies Within the Church. Ah, thank you. And and uh, the last time you were on, we were talking about that that was coming. I didn't know if that had hit hit the hit hit the yeah, airwaves it, yet. It, but that, that yeah. is a big thing. Let's start there because 
one of the reasons and one of the only reasons and Karl Marx knew this. The first thing was to neuter the church back when he instituted Marxism. The be, our social, the best thing was, the first thing he had to do, neuter the church, because people are either going to look to a benevolent God or they're going to look to government to for their sustenance. They're not going to look to both. So either yeah. God is going to provide or the government's going to be your daddy. Second, they got to take away the guns. So then when you find out they pull the wool over your eyes and you want your country back, they have, as I like to say, military-style weapons. You have peace shooters. The thing I never thought would happen this fast in this country would be that they could get to the church, but they did because you need to get the Christians and the pastors to go along with this. How did they pull this off to this point? Well, it wasn't it wasn't a, 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 an overnight thing. This has been going on for a hundred years. The, right. the very the very first communist front in America was the Methodist Federation for Social Action. So, so that was set up by Harry Ward in, in 1912, even before the Bolshevik Revolution, to bring Marxism into the mainstream Protestant churches. And they did, you know, um, they, they had massive impact in the, in the Episcopalian, the Lutheran, the um, Methodist, Presbyterian churches. Um, they amalgamated all of them with the National Council of Churches, which was part of the World Council of Churches, which was known as the, the Communist Party at prayer. It was run by the Soviet KGB. And they also infiltrated the Catholic Church um, to the point you now have a Marxist Pope and Pope Francis. There you go. Uh, but, but what we're talking about here is the last bastion to fall were the Protestant, were the evangelical churches and the Southern Baptists. And a large part of the movie focuses on them that even they are now going woke which is a, a, a which is basically a euphemism for going Marxist. So, so Marxism is spreading in the evangelical churches like wildfire, but most people who go to church don't understand that it's Marxism. I see it. You see it. Why don't they? How did they slip this in? And as you said, it's been over the period of time. And a lot of it to me has to do with getting away from the gospel, getting away with Jesus's uh, edict to us, not only to make disciples of all uh, people, but the, the, the main thing, pick up your cross daily and follow me. If you follow Christ, if you follow the gospel, you will see this coming because all this, all this is anti-God, anti-family, anti-Bible, anti-country, anti-anything of freedom, because it's gonna put you in bondage to the government. How did they get the uh, the pastors and the and 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 the the Protestants to buy into this. Well, back in the 30s, um, I had a friend uh, Herb Romerstein, who was the Senate U.S. Senate investigator of communism for, for over 30 years. He was the American authority on communism. He said in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, the biggest suckers for communist fronts, the people who signed up for more communist fronts than any other, were Protestant clergymen. So there was always that, you know, because Jesus was a socialist. But, but, but the key point you make is this. To soften people up for a Marxist church, you have to de-emphasize a whole lot of tr traditional Christianity. You've got to get rid of the Ten Commandments. You've got to jettison, um, you know, repentance, sin, hell, all that kind of stuff. You've got to have a soft, watered-down gospel that, that emphasizes love more than anything else, and then you can bring in the socialism. 
And that's what they've done. You know, they've thrown out the law and they've brought in this weakened version of love and telling people it's Christianity. Do you know the love of God, we mentioned this in the movie, the love of God is mentioned one time in all four Gospels. All four Gospels, the love of God is mentioned once. The law is mentioned multiple times. So but what modern Christianity has done is jettison the law. Uh, it's all about love. It's all about, um, you know, Jesus was a socialist. Jesus, you know, told us to welcome refugees. Jesus told, him to, told us to welcome gay people. This is, this is the watering down of the gospel and then replacing the gospel with Marxism. And we're in that second phase right now in most churches. Right. Now, you have just kicked out the woke pastorship or the woke message that a lot of lukewarm, seeker-friendly churches talk about. So yeah. let me set the record straight. We've got to remember, everything about the Bible is written in context to a perfect society and the perfection that God created in the Garden of Eden. Man fell. Sin came into the world, and there is a devil. There is an adversary. So we are all fallen individuals, which means there can never be perfection until God cleans this mess up and and casts everything else out of his presence, and then he will have his heaven, and the new kingdom will be rediscovered. What you must understand, people, until that point, we're dealing with imperfect people, imperfect societies, and imperfect government. So those that want to say Jesus was a socialist, Jesus wasn't this type of socialist because, as Trevor said, there is love, but there's also law. God had mercy, but there's also justice. You can't break the law, and Jesus never did. So anything that government would do or look to do that would be breaking the law would not be allowed. So what ends up happening? What, what are we looking at when we're saying this? What we're looking at is that the society and what Jesus did, you freely receive, you freely give. Give to those who, who, who need. But understand that that's not what this socialism does. This socialism, it takes from those who are, uh, you know, who are, who are working, who are prosperous, and it gives to those who don't. The Bible also says, you know, you should be able to enjoy the fruits of your labor while the slothful, if you don't work, you don't eat. It also says that, you know, like like you have to be productive. You're, you're given a freedom to be productive in God. Reach for your dreams as long as they fall in line with what Jesus Christ is all about. Everything that Jesus Christ is all about, the socialists are against. They're, they're, they're not for traditional marriage. They're not for the love of one God, you know, Jesus Christ. They're not for, they're against, uh, 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 they're, uh, they're for abortion. They're for socialism over capitalism, over production. Everything that they're for, that is not anything that we were raised in what biblical Christianity is all about. And Trevor, I am stunned. I guess on some level that people fall for this, but there's that itching ears thing. People are going to want to believe what they want to believe. How do we get the church back? Well, first, well, the reason we made the movie is 
you know, and when, just to emphasize the law, when we're talking the law, we're talking God's law. We're not talking, right, um, right. you know, civic law. Like there's laws out there now mandating vaccine passports. Right. Well, people should resist those laws. They are not God's laws. They are anti-God's laws. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about God's law. And, and so that's been abandoned. The, the church has abandoned its leadership role in the community. So we were given three institutions to govern us. We were given the church, the family, and civil government. And as the church has abandoned the law and abandons its leadership role in society, families have fallen into chaos, and the government has, has broken its boundaries. And the government is coming into the families and coming into the church. The government now wants to take over everything. That's socialism. So it is because of that vacuum the church has abandoned that role. See, for for, thousands, for hundreds of years, the church was the leading um, aspect of any community. You know, the politicians looked to the church for moral guidance. You know, and you could have been the biggest drunken reprobate in town. You could have been a horrible, horrible person. But at least you knew the law. You knew the commandments that you were supposed to obey even if you didn't. Now, most Christians would would be would struggle to, to reel off the Ten Commandments, especially new Christians. You know, like when you go to the elementary school, the first thing they're supposed to teach you is your alphabet. Well, in, 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 in a church, they should be teaching you the Ten Commandments and how they apply to your life. But that aspect has been largely abandoned and replaced with this, say you love Jesus, You'll be saved, put some money in the collection plate, patronize the coffee shop, listen to the rock music and go home and everything's good. That's modern seeker-friendly Christianity. And so we got to say in the movie, you know, um, Kerry Gordon says at the end, you know, there's nothing wrong with the gospel. The pastors won't preach it because they know that if they do, they're going to lose half of their flock. Half their flock won't be able to take it. They won't be able to stomach talk of sin and repentance and hellfire. They just won't be able to handle it. They'll walk out. But Kerry says, that's a good thing. Right. That's a good thing. Get the wheat, get the chaff out of the church and start preaching it as it's written. That is the message here. And But so many Christians have been sold this fake, watered down Christianity, many of them wouldn't know real Christianity if they fell over it. So the movie is about establishing what is real, what is fake, and how the Marxists have corrupted Christianity to their own purpose. So it's it's theological, it's philosophical, and it's a crime story. And it's fascinating. I, I'm As, looking uh, forward to seeing it. I, I'm going to you, when you tell me where I can get this, I'm going to see it before the weekend's out. Trevor, enemieswithinthechurch.com. Thank you, and that's the name, the enemieswithinthechurch.com. Please go there and, and say. But also, Trevor's original one of his movies, The Enemies Within, his books, they're all great. Uh, I want to just give a an example that I use, Trevor, of how this plays out in the lives of Christians, and then you can tell me if you agree. See, you have what. That the left is calling being benevolent, benevolent by letting these poor people come across a border, right? Without yeah. 
right? So they're coming across the border and they're not being stopped. And Border Patrol is basically helpless. Terrorists could be coming, rapists, uh, drugs, cartels, you know, people that want to blow up the country. They don't care about that. They just know all these people are coming across. We're going to let them in. And then they say, this is what Jesus says you should have to do. You should be benevolent. They're poor. They're looking for a better life. Now, here's what Trevor, in my opinion, is was trying to tell you about why love and law must go together. Law must come first. Right. Because the law, yeah, the law says there's a border because the countries without border is no countries at all. So there's a reason that borders there. These people are lawbreakers in the eyes of God. If God wanted anybody in this country, right, they would be able to come across, do what they had to do to get in this country legally, where they can now worship God in spirit and truth. By coming across illegally, you have broken the law. You're going to have a fake ID card or fake this. Anytime somebody yells immigration, you're going to be scared to death. And you're not going to be able to worship in spirit and truth. You're going to be hiding in the shadows. And not only that, you're going to be benevolent and beholden to the people that allowed you to do that, which would be the Democratic Party, which means if you ever do get a fake card or allowed to vote, you're going to vote for abortion. You're going to vote for same-sex marriage. You're going to vote for socialism. Then you're going to end up with a communist country and wonder, gee, I came to a country that's now becoming the country I just left. That's not the way it works. Well, you know, like like, uh, the Bible says, you know, he who does not protect his family is worse than an infidel. You know, this is the consequence of abandoning the Old Testament, largely abandoning the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a national security blueprint. How many times did the Israelites build walls around their cities? Thank you. To protect it? And what happened when they didn't? They were in big trouble. And that's why they Nehemiah were. went and begged the king when he had an opportunity. Please, let me go back to my land and rebuild that wall. Exactly. Build that wall. That's an old message. Because the law came first. The Old Testament was telling you how to organize your society, how to build your communities, how to protect your communities, how to keep them safe, how to keep your family safe. That is that is what the Old Testament is largely about. It is how do you build a free society? How do you build a secure society? So apply those lessons today what is kind about letting people come across your borders anybody who does that why why do you have a lock on your door why do you have a fence around your house why does why is there a fence around the white house why does nancy pelosi have a great big wall around her house why does a wall around the vatican well why is a wall around the vatican because because everybody deserves their own space now people say well an illegal immigrant is the same as a legal immigrant. Well, tell me this. You got somebody coming in your coming in the front door of your house with a bottle of wine and a bowl of pasta and, and is invited in. You got somebody coming through the back door with a crowbar and a, wearing a mask. They're both in your house. They both want something when they get there. One is invited, one goes through the proper proper channels. There's a proper civilized way. I invite you to my house. You respect my house when you're in there. Another one breaks the borders, comes into your house, 
maybe kills your family, steals your goods. You cannot equate the two. But this is what the illegal immigration debate does. Legal immigrants respect the law, are invited, asked to come into your country, they're given an invitation, they, they come in. And as long as they obey the laws, they can stay. Illegal immigrants disrespect all of that, jump the border. Um, many of them commit crimes, but the crime is just basically jumping the border. That's a crime in itself. And that's against the law right there. This is the consequence of abandoning the law in Christianity. We now no longer respect the law in civil society. You know, religion affects your culture. Your culture affects your politics. If your culture is in the sewer, your politics is a mess. It's because your religion is no longer standing up and, and, and taking on the leadership role that it should. So you get people giving these false arguments. Let's, an illegal immigrant is just the same as an immigrant. We should welcome millions of them across our borders. Look, you're supposed to love God and thy neighbor as thyself. People say, well, you've got to love your neighbors from Mexico and Guatemala who come across the border. What about your next door neighbor? What about the little old lady next door who could get beaten up by an illegal immigrant? What about all your kids in school who have to get held back because the teacher's trying to teach 20 new kids Spanish and that takes up all their time? What about the health risks? All of this, this is disgusting. This is not yes. protecting your neighbor. That's not loving your neighbor. That is disrespecting and harming your own neighbor by allowing invaders and lawbreakers to come into your country. That's the, that's the law. And when you obey the law, then people will love you. But you can't get real love if you don't obey the laws. You know, you're married to your wife. She... she uh, You've got agreements with your wife. She just goes around holiday for three weeks. She doesn't even tell you. She um, she has an affair with the next door neighbor. Doesn't you don't know about it? That's breaking the laws of your marriage. Is that love going to last? The laws have to be respected first. If you uh, have a business partner and you have certain laws, you have certain agreements, and one partner won't respect them, one partner cheats, one partner lies. How long is that partnership going to last? Law comes before love. You're late. The more you respect the law, the deeper your love can be. Genuine love, not false love, real love. Yeah, well, you know, the, the key, one of the things, if you don't have love, you see, if you have love, uh, you will respect the law. If you don't have love, you won't respect the law. So love is extremely important because those who love will respect the law and and those who don't are are going to be the primary ones who break it. And speaking of that, when you when the people on the left is always, oh, we're being we're showing compassion to these people coming across the border illegally, these aliens coming across illegally. Well, where's the compassion for the people who've been standing in line trying to do it the right way for a year and a half? Where's your yeah, compassion for where's them? The compassion for your next door neighbor who has to pay the taxes, who can hardly afford there to keep go. food on the table. Um, the landlord who gets his house trashed, all of these things. Where's compassion for your own people? Your own family's got to come first. Yeah, we got to, We should love everybody if they obey the laws and are respectful. 
Absolutely. If they disobey the laws, they shall be punished and removed from from the vicinity, expelled from the country. And no. not let in in the first place to even be put in a position to do that. Trevor, let's put a nail in this coffin with the final question on this segment as we applies to uh, what the communists have been doing within the framework of the evangelical church. Uh, are the pastors bought like uh, you can go into what you know about the uh, the schools for Marxists as far as how all these evangelical uh, seminaries and things that used to be uh, supposedly Christian oriented now are basically run by Marxists. Yeah, look at places like Southeastern Baptist and Wheaton and all these Dallas uh, theological seminary, all virtually every major seminary or Bible college in the country now is woke. And woke means Marxist. We used to, the Marxists used to call us political consciousness, they would raise your consciousness of issues of class and racism. That's what woke is. We would call it brainwashing. So that's in all of virtually every Bible college and seminary in the country, like it is in virtually every university. It's also in Campus Crusade for Christ. It's in InterVarsity. It's in World Vision. A whole bunch of these so, you know, once respectable Christian organizations have been taken over by the left. So these young pastors who once would have voted for Ronald Reagan and supported Israel and were anti-communist, now are voting for Bernie Sanders and socialism and supporting radical Palestine. And this this is altering the church at a breakneck pace. The church will still be there in five years, but it will be largely a Marxist church. It'll be Marxism with a little bit of Christianity, Christian terminology sprinkled on top, but it will no way be genuinely Christian. Trevor, I got to ask you this, because, you know, when, when you look at Campus Crusade for Christ or when you look at World Vision or these organizations, they they say the right thing. So why don't why aren't we aware that uh, what's going on beside like you, we would never think any of the people behind those organizations would be even thinking about supporting a Bernie Sanders. So if they are, how are they pulling that off? Because they don't oh, look, they don't you know, openly they, say these that organizations rely on their donor bases like there'll be, be hundreds of thousands of, of American citizens who went through crew in college when it was a respectable Christian organization. And every year they send them $1,000 or $500 or $5,000 or whatever. Every year they make a donation. So the face has got to be the same as it was back then. They've got to, they're not going to send out um, letters to alumni appealing for funds, talking about wokeism and critical race theory and social justice. It's going to be a, a, a message that implies everything is just the same. But if you listen to a a Campus Crusade or crew, as it's now called, um, session, teaching session, two hours, they say God at the beginning and Jesus at the end, and they have two hours of Marxism in the middle. You know, it's critical race theory, it's Maoism, it it is terrible, terrible Marxism. And this is indoctrinating all these young kids. And these young kids come out of this thinking this is Christianity. They don't know. How, how do they know? Because they've never been really taught properly at home or 
or they get brainwashed into thinking, well, their parents are wrong and these guys have got the real take on Christianity. Uh, if we have time in the next segment, I, I want to give an example of how this actually works, um, referencing a, an InterVarsity conference in, in uh, St. Louis, Missouri a few years ago. Go ahead. Well, in St. Louis, Missouri 2015, InterVarsity had this massive conference and it was in the Midwest and most of these kids were white, thousands of them. And the main speaker was Michelle Higgins of the uh, a, a, a black young black pastor from St. Louis, Missouri, and she was haranguing these kids. Your God wants you to end white privilege. This is the number one job of Christians. You've got to end white privilege. Blah 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 blah. White privilege is a communist concept. Right, right. Ted Allen, Noel Ignatius, both communist party members. And so they went away thinking God's mission for them is to end white privilege. They might be on food stamps. They might have no money, but they have got white privilege and they have got to expiate that guilt through anti-racism work. Well, they weren't told that Michelle Higgins was a member of the Organization for Black Struggle. That is the organization that burnt Ferguson, Missouri to the ground in 2014. Mm -hmm. That is a front for Liberation Road a pro-Chinese communist party. So these kids were being taught pro-Chinese communism masquerading as Christianity. So they're out there working to destroy their own country, thinking they're doing God's work. That is some, that, see people, this is why I love this man. He not only tells you, but he has all these examples. Okay, let's put a, let's put a nail in that coffin because I'm sure people are, you already have three or four Kleenexes or three or four handkerchiefs filled with tears. Let's explain to them how this started. Back in the day, and we're going to go way, 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 way back. Obviously, when the communists decided to get control of America, which they had to bring America down to ruin the free world, to have world communism, it was get control of radio, television, motion pictures, get control of the evangelical church, get control of the unions, get control of the schools, and they teach them socialism and everything. All this that was in W. Cleon Skousen's book, The Naked Communist from 1958, everything they wanted to accomplish, they have pulled off unbelievably to me in such a short period of time. How? How did they, people tell, please tell people the genesis of modern communism in the United States and why it was able to take such hold? Well, communism started, like it started in the Civil War, you know, it was mm -hmm. started in the 1840s when you had German communists came, came to the Midwest, they came to Milwaukee, they came to Chicago, because Karl Marx, they tried to have a communist revolution in Germany in 1848, but it failed. So thousands of German communists fled to the United States. And they, they took over Milwaukee, they took over Chicago. Um, they had socialist governments there. They set up the Communist Party USA. And that grew and grew. They almost had a communist revolution in America in 1921, 1922. They had to deport thousands of foreign communists back to Eastern Europe. There was bombings, there was bank robberies, there was hijackings. There was real fear of a communist revolution back then. But that was beaten back. Um, you know, thanks to the president at the time, Warren Harding, I believe it was. The communists um, expanded again in the 1930s with the Depression. They were very popular during World War II because we were fighting with Soviet Russia. 
So the communists were able to infiltrate the government to an extensive degree at that time. They got into the State Department. There was at least 400 Soviet agents working in the Roosevelt administration. They set up the World Bank. They set up the United Nations. They set up all these global organizations. They set up a lot of the socialist programs that we're still suffering from today. The educational system too, yeah. right? Under John Dewey, you know, that was yeah. very much yeah. a communist operation. The, the infiltration of public education, the unions of journalism through Curtis McDougall, the Marxist, and his book on advocacy journalism, all of it. And so in the 50s, they started to get a little bit of pushback, you know, the McCarthy era. Mm -hmm. And a few of them were exposed, but only a few. You know, it was never an extensive removal of, of most of these people. A few got exposed. They got pushed back. They were in disarray. And the 60s came along, the Vietnam War, communism came back. It grew in the 70s. It grew in the 80s. It grew in the 90s. They had a bit of a reversal when the Soviet Union retreated, but Chinese communism picked up the slack. Now, today, communism has never been stronger. There are more than 30 communist parties, different communist parties in America. They have many members of Congress in their pocket. They have senators. They have many, many members of Biden's cabinet, like Deb Haaland and uh, and Pete Buttigieg in their pocket. They, you oh, know, Trevor, Trevor, let me just stop you right there because ding, 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 ding. You said the magic word. Please explain to people about Pete Buttigieg and who his father is, so you can kind of see. So since you mentioned somebody that a name that a lot of people would know, please tell them who is his father, and that'll explain a lot about why he is the way he is. And then you can go well, right back to continuing. Yeah, well, my book, White House Reds, which I hope people will get, you know, from Amazon or, or TrevorLoudon.com, profiles 11, 10 of the 11 Democrats running at the beginning of 2020. Ten of them are Marxists, including Biden, including little, little Miss Nice Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota, um, you know, Cory Booker, the whole lot. But Pete Buttigieg has, see, one of the main strands of communism today is what they call Gramsciism. That was yes. named after an Italian um, Communist Party theoretician of the 1930s. He died in one of Mussolini's prisons. And he thought Lenin was wrong, that a violent revolution was not the best way to go in Western countries. Better to infiltrate all the institutions so the people would beg for socialism, infiltrate the church, the media, sports, technology, movie industry, entertainment, arts, everything. Bring it all into the socialist orbit. And, and Democratic Socialists of America, the biggest communist party in this country, they, that's Gramsci. Bernie Sanders, the, the young kids who follow Bernie Sanders, they are Gramsci's grandchildren. They are socialists, communists without even knowing they're communists a lot of the time. So, so Gramsci was the man. Now, Pete Buttigieg's father, Joseph, was the world authority on Gramsci. He headed the, as the president of the World Gramsci Association. He worked with communists his entire political career. But so did Pete. Pete portrayed himself as a moderate Democrat. He is absolutely the opposite. This is a man who wants to tax you for every mile you drive, who is 
banning the use of drones on the southern border to monitor illegal immigration. Pete Buttigieg has been involved with Democratic Socialists of America, a Gramsciist organization, since he was a teenager. He was working with them when he was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. He was working um, with, you know, he, he was working with them on the campaign trail. He went to May, he went to uh, Martha's Vineyard where they were having a bus driver strike. The Democratic Socialist of America was organizing a bus driver strike and he was there getting his photograph taken, supporting this strike, this DSA strike. So the man is a complete Marxist and he will, he will take your cars, he will price you out of your cars, he wants everybody in public transport, everybody doing what they're told. And that's just one example. You know, Deb Haaland, Secretary of the Interior, was put in place by Judith LeBlanc of the Communist Party USA, a pro-Chinese Communist Party, engineered the second-term congresswoman from New Mexico to become the Secretary of the Interior, who now oversees 20% of America. You know, this is... Virtually all of Biden's cabinet is Marxist, as is Kamala Harris, as is Biden himself. People, you can't make this stuff up. This, this is, this is, this is what's going on here. Okay, so we got that in. That was a, just a little addendum. All right, now you can get back into. Okay, we're into the '60s, we're into the '70s, we're into the '80s, and then there was a little pushback, I guess, in the '90s. Well, what's, where did this really go off the rails? Well, in the 90s, see what happens. See, everybody took their eye off the ball on communism. Communism's over, it doesn't matter anymore. We all, you know, most people focused on radical Islam. In 1994, the Democratic Socialists of America, the Marxist organization, took over the AFL-CIO, took over the American unions, who had been anti-communist before that. Was Trumka their main guy? Trumka was the, well, Sweeney first, then Trumka. Okay. They're both Marxists. And and so they removed the anti-communist clause from the AFL-CIO's constitution so communists could hold office in the CIO again, AFL-CIO again. All the major unions were taken over. They just took over the Teamsters Union this year, but everyone else has already been taken over. And so if you control the unions, you then control the Democratic Party. So what they did was start purging all the conservative Democrats. You know, the senator from Connecticut was the last one to go. Um, uh, Lowenf- I've forgotten his name. He was very pro-Israel, and they got rid of him. And now, all, now basically, you cannot get elected to Congress or the Senate unless you tow the communist line in the Democratic Party now. And that was done through taking over the unions. And then Obama came along, this helped Obama get into power, and Obama gutted the military, put his people in charge of the CIA, the FBI, the the IRS, all of these agencies, and started weaponizing these agencies against conservatives. So Obama really, the communist revolution really kicked off under Obama. But 90% of Americans still don't know that Obama is a communist, has always been a communist, still is a communist, did everything the communists wanted him to do. Trevor, before you go any farther, ding, 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 since you hit another name, since you brought up Obama, please tell people about Obama and his association with Frank Davis Marshall. Just let them know who this man really truly is. 
Look, Obama's parents were left-wingers, you know, they were very much on the left. They introduced Obama as a young man to Frank Marshall Davis, Hawaiian Communist Party member. Frank Marshall Davis mentored the young Obama. Uh, Obama was involved in a communist group at Occidental College in, in California. I, in my movie, Enemies Within, I interview um, John Drew, who was in the same communist group as Obama. It tells you all about it. Um, Obama then went to New York, where he attended socialist conferences. Then he went to Chicago. Frank Marshall Davis was from Chicago. He was moved into the same circles. They were all waiting for him. You know, Frank Marshall Davis had set it up. He moved into the same circles, the same communist circles that Frank Marshall Davis had been in 40 years before. David Axelrod, Obama, the man who got Obama elected, was also part of this communist network. His parents were communists too. Valerie Jarrett, his brain, was also part of this communist network. Her mother was a communist. Her grandfather was a communist. Her um, father-in-law was, uh, her father-in-law and mother-in-law were both communists. Obama was slotted in to the, he was prepared. It was all prepared for him in Chicago. That's why he went there, because Frank Marshall Davis had prepared the ground for him. So he got to Chicago, hooked up with the communists. They got him elected to the U.S. Senate. They got him elected to the U.S. presidency twice, and he did pretty much everything they wanted, from open borders to Obamacare to gutting the military. If, if Obama was a fully paid-up agent of Moscow, I believe he would have done virtually nothing different from what he actually did do. He's been working with pro-Soviet pro-Russian communist his entire political career, and still is today. All right, so we got through Obama. So now Obama is gone, and now it's it's ramped up even higher. So what's going on? Well, we're in the revolution. We're in the final stages of the revolution. You know, the, um, Donald Trump Jr. said back in 2020, he said the 2020 election would be communism versus socialism. Uh, versus freedom. And that's, he was not, he was not exaggerating. So the whole cabinet, Biden's whole cabinet is virtually all Marxist. Biden is completely under the control of the left wing, you know, the Rashida Tlaibs, the AOC, the Ilan Omars, they are pushing the agenda. That is why you have these lockdowns. The lockdowns are driven by pro-Chinese communist parties all around the world. They gave us the gave us a disease, then they gave us the cure, which is lockdown, 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 and more lockdowns to your economy collapses, and um, and then your military collapses. And um, so we're living in the revolution. They're doctrinating our kids. They're destroying the military right now. They're driving good people out of the military, purging the military. So the military will enforce the revolution, not fight against the revolution. They are alienating America's allies. They've just given Afghanistan to China. They've um, upset the Indians. They've upset the Japanese, the Taiwanese, the, the Brits. The, all of our allies no longer trust America. Meanwhile, communism is taking over Latin America. You have a communist president in Mexico. Uh, Chile just elected a Marxist president. Peru just elected, elected a Marxist president. Venezuela's already communist. 
Um, El Salvador just elected a, a communist as well. So we're being surrounded. And, and uh, <coughs> you know, um, we're being isolated from our lives. We're set up. We're basically being set up to be subjugated by Russia and China. And Biden is doing everything he can to help that process along. Trevor, this is why every time you come on, I always joke about and and people now, I hope you understand why I said uh, there's two things going on here when I bring you on. People will end up on top of a bridge and it's just a matter of whether they think they want to jump or somebody's going to push them. I, I I love you, Trevor. I love what you do. I love your passion. We've been shouting that you've been doing it for years, since, me since 2012. The, the reason I do this is to try and wake our electorate up while we still have time to do something about this. I'm not trying to scare you people. I'm just trying to enlighten you. This is real. This isn't a movie. This isn't like the house on 42nd Street where the spies are going to get caught at the end. This isn't like all the movies you've seen where the bad guys at the end, they always get caught. They may hear, but we we have to do something. Where are we, Trevor? And do you think people are starting to get it or are more people in spite of what they see in the dark? Because I would have thought after one term of Obama, people would have gotten it. I would have thought after two terms of Obama, people would have definitely gotten it, gotten it. And I would have been sure after they saw the prosperity of capitalism and free enterprise under Donald Trump, they would have saw the difference between the two parties. How well, we know well, the election was well, stolen, but still are people catching on? Well, yes, they are. And that is the good news. This is happening in both the churches and in, gen- in the general community. So I'm going all around the country, I'm talking in churches, I'm talking to Tea Party groups, Republican groups, um, medical groups, all sorts of, um, you know, Moms for Liberty, anti-CRT groups, all this kind of thing. So you've had a whole generation, a whole, over the last year and a half, you've had hundreds of thousands of people sitting at home, watching their elections stolen, watching their cities burn, watching... um, watching, you know, our military being gutted, watching the economy sink, watching their standard of living sinking, and they're finally waking up to the fact that if they don't do something, they're going to lose this country permanently. That's where we are. And so the communists are doubling down. They're pushing the mandates. They're trying to wreck the economy in every way they can. Taxes, they're trying to federalise the elections so we can never defeat them electorally. But people are rising up. The Virginia election was a good example of that. That wasn't done by the Virginia GOP so much. That was done by Moms for Liberty, the grassroots Mm -hmm. groups who got organized. So I'm seeing that happening all over the country. This is why I say the unvarnished truth, because half the people listening to this are going to either turn away and go away and take take some... some sleeping tablets and go to sleep. Most of the people who listen to this will do nothing or they will ignore it. But if you tell people the truth, the unvarnished truth, some people will take it on board and will get active. And that's what we're seeing all over the country. There's a spiritual power in confronting the reality of the situation. Once you've done that, you're on God's side. Once you've done that, you are on God's side because we're commanded 
to be discerning. We're commanded to be wise as serpents. And when you know the truth, you can do something about it. When you don't confront the truth, when you don't confront the truth, that's the path to evil. That's the path to laziness. It's the path to evil. It's the path to corruption. So I'm trying to lay it out as hardcore as I can and as accurately as I can, because some people listening to this will do something. And it might be that one person who stands for office, becomes the governor of a state, and, and there's another Ron DeSantis. It might be someone else who writes a great book, makes a great movie, starts a great church, um, runs for public office, whatever, starts a new social media platform, or just gets more involved in their local community, takes over their own school board, etc. We are only truth can save us now. We've been living in lies for a hundred years. It's corroded this country to the point where it's almost unsavable, almost. But if enough people confront reality, if enough people confront reality, it can still be saved. And not just saved, be made even better than when we started with it. And that's why I do what I do, because I am very optimistic. But we've got to face reality. No more kidding ourselves. No more lying to ourselves and others. Look at the situation. We're in a revolution. We could lose this country. We could sell our kids into slavery and death. Or we can stand up and fight back and restore liberty. That's our choice. But you can only make that choice when you actually know the truth. I hear you, Trevor. Now, I what I want to say about my audience, and this is a, a, a question wrapped around it, I really think my audience and the people that listen to me and the people that listen to you, a lot of these people know the truth. But I, I'm so concerned, are we preaching to the choir? See, people that listen to this show, they're, they're patriots, they're Christians, they're patriots, uh, they get it. But the people that need to listen to it on the left they never hear it because they don't no, want to hear it. Who, who cares about the left, Gary? Well, don't we, we have we to have change got, we, them? No, we don't. We oh, don't. explain no, that. Not, not now. What we have to do is fortify the remnant. Ah. If you listen to the show tonight, you now know we don't have five years to turn this around. We don't have 10 years. We have a few months. Got you. So hopefully you're going to get a lot more urgent. First, we have to fortify the remnant. That will bring more people into the movement. When you stand up and fly the flag, like Trump did, people will follow. But you've got to stand up and fly the flag and be truthful and urgent. The movement will grow. The people in the middle will come to us. The left are the last people you worry about. The right. left, you don't care about them. You know, they, they, you know, this is how I said, 5% of the country is trying to save America. 5% is trying to destroy it. 90% of people are decent Americans who love their country but don't know what's going on. We have to make the 5% into a 6, 7, 8, 9, 10% that will influence all the people in the middle. They will rally to our flag and the left will be isolated, marginalised and they can do what they like but they will have no impact. We don't worry about the left now. We worry about fortifying those who are already on our side and bringing a few more people towards us. And you're only going to do that by being bold and brave 
like Trump was. Trump got black people, Latino people. He got all these people who never vote Republican in their lives. He got them to switch because he was bold, he was honest, he stood up, and he was brave. He wasn't a Jeb Bush. He wasn't a Mitt Romney. He wasn't uh, a John McCain. Most of those people never would have gone near any of those characters. But they went for Trump because he was honest as much as he could be. He was bold and he was brave and he rallied the base. That is what we have to be. We have to be bold and brave and out there. No holding back. And people will come. People will listen. Listen if we do that. If we try and be moderate to bring the middle across, we lose everything. I understand what you're saying, so, but I have to ask you this question in this regard. If they control everything, if they control all avenues of the media, if they've got the election rigged, as we know they did the last time, and we haven't corrected that yet, uh, can we pull this, really move the needle a lot without moving some of their people out? You know, you should no, be we, all we, over we, national TV. You, no, you, you can't get a sniff. People. It's the middle people we have to move. How you know, are we going to reach them? Well, we already are. You know, we, we, we won the we won the election in Virginia, did we not? Almost won the election in New Jersey. So even though elections are corrupt, absolutely, we can still win them. You know, several states have tightened up their, their electioneering. Several states have done stuff. So it's not a hopeless cause. I, I'm, I'm aware of election corruption as you are. Like Ron DeSantis is in Florida has just set up a unit. That unit, their only job is to investigate and prosecute vote fraud in Florida. We need to press for that in every free state. And if you keep you doing that, you, you just get a few people going to jail for 10 years, vote fraud would be a thing of the past. So there's a lot of very simple ways to, to fix this. The path is clear, but we have to really amp up our game to even get to 2022. If we get to 2022, we're going to have a big victory. We're going to purge a lot of the rhinos. The, you know, right now the RNC, the Republican National Committee, is 70% MAGA and Tea Party folk. Yes. It has never yes. been that high, ever. Not even close to that high. Right, I'm seeing the Republican Party at grassroots all over the country. The rhinos are on the run. People, if they can't take over their local GOP, they set up a Republican assembly. A rival group that endorses, you know, works for Republicans, but is not under the control of the Republican Party. These kind of groups are being set up all over the country. The Mitch McConnells and the Kevin McCarthy's, their day is numbered. The Trump people have seen under Trump what it's like to have a president who actually cares about the country, <coughs> who is willing to put the country first. They are not willing to go back to the Jeb Bush, Mitt Romney type of Republican. Their day is over. The Republican Party is moving to a grassroots constitutional party like it always should have been. So I think there's a lot of hope out there. And the main problem is we are so inundated with propaganda to tell us it's hopeless, that we believe it is. But why did we win Virginia? You know, why do we almost win New Jersey? Why are we pushing back CRT all over the country? Why is the government abandoning mask mandates in some places, having a hell of a job 
forcing us to take their vaccines. There's a lot of good stuff happening because Americans have finally woken up to the fact that they could lose this country and they're not willing to see that happen. So that's why I'm in the fight. But we've got to choose sides now. We're all in or we're all in for good or we're part of evil. That's that's all it is. That's the only the only choices we have now. I agree with you, and and I've I've been seeing this groundswell, and uh, boy, that is so so great to hear. Uh, Trevor, do you think our president will be back? And I'm certainly not talking about Biden. No. So you think uh, that's it for him? Not, not well. Look, he could run again in 2022, uh, 2024, but his problem is he's out there pushing vaccine mandates like crazy and doubling down on it, putting pushing vaccines. And a large chunk of his base hates vaccines. He, 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 uh, he's sabotaging himself. So he's either got to reverse that. He's not going to come back before 2024. There's no military secretly in control is going to bring Trump back on, on, you know, on February the 19th. That's all BS. That's all absolute garbage. If he comes back, it'll be through a standard election in 2024. But he's got to actually stop endorsing some of the losers that he's endorsing and he's got to stop pushing these vaccines because his base hates them. And so if it's not him, it'll be um, Ron DeSantis or uh, maybe even General Flynn or someone like that, you know. And I love Trump, but um, he's got to change. He's got to change some of his patterns if he's going to have a chance to win in 2024. Do you think he found himself in a trap? Because obviously trying to save the economy in 2020 when he was running and and as president trying to save the economy and not knowing, nobody really knew uh, about what the vaccine was going to turn out to be when it came out and that he was, you know, initially behind the vaccine initially could part of the problem be if he started out that way. Now it's hard for, I mean, the, the virus. Yeah, he, he, was, he was pushed into a trap, you know. Right. See, the communist Chinese released the virus and then the, the communists through Fauci and, um, and Ted Ross, the head of the World Health Organization, told us if we didn't lock everything down, there was going to be 10 million, 2 million dead before Christmas. So Trump's thinking it's election year. If I don't lock down the economy, even though I don't want to, I'm going to get blamed for every single dead grandmother in the country up till election time. I'll lose. So he did what he had to do, you know. And then he got the vaccine was the way out of that. But they 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 hung that on him too. They got him to back this vaccine, and 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 that, but he didn't realise they'd be out there suppressing ivermectin. He thought the vaccine was going to be part of the treatment. Right. We'd have ivermectin, we'd have hydroxychloroquine, we'd have all these other things. Trump didn't realise what he was dealing with, that they were only going to push the vaccine. The vaccines would be faulty. So he, they wedded him to the vaccines. He should man up and say, look, I pushed them at the time. I thought they were a great idea. They've saved some lives, I'm sure. But we've got to stop these mandates. We've got it. This is the end of it now. Now we've got to start looking at early treatment. We've got to look at ivermectin. We've got to look at all these other things. That's what Trump's got to be saying. Because if he just keeps on, because the people are beside themselves with these vaccine mandates, the suppression of, of legitimate alternative treatments, 
and Trump's out there still pushing the vaccines, calling people like Candace Owens idiots for challenging him on it. You know, this he cannot win in 2024 if he keeps doing this. I would like him to win, believe me, but he's got to wake up. He can't be doing this and expect to win. You know, it's it's amazing to me with the circle of people around him, and we know some of them we like and some of them not so much, that it just seems like there are people around him that he listens to that he's getting. Doesn't he fault the information? Doesn't he understand this thing is dangerous, the vaccine? Doesn't he well, understand it's creating so. what exactly the virus could kill you and now the vaccine can kill you? Well, look. You know, why does he endorse some of the people he did? You know, like he endorsed Marco Rubio for the U.S. Senate in Florida. And the grassroots hates Marco Rubio and wants to get rid of him. Mm -hmm. You know, why would he do that? Because he's obviously not in touch with the grassroots base or he's or he's listening to people that don't have his best intentions at that. That was his fault when he was president. And I'm, I'm afraid that's his fault now. And I was hoping he would learn. The grassroots was always on his side and they would put up with a few things. But that was when he was president and when he was doing a whole bunch of good stuff. That, you know, they, they want him back. Many of them want him back. I want him back. I want him back but, too. But, but he is not doing himself any favours by, by aligning himself, by not acknowledging he was trapped and sucked in by the vaccines. People would say, look, if he said, look, Okay, the vaccines, I thought they were a good idea at the time. They've done some good, but I do not support these vaccine mandates or the suppression of all the alternatives. Now is the time we've got to open up the ivermectin. We've got to open up the therapies. We've got to stop this single-minded pursuit of vaccines. End of it. If, people, if he did that, people would say, hallelujah. Yes, amen. And I hope he does. That's what I pray for. I pray for wisdom for him because he's the guy. And, you know, he 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 had he had the courage to take on the disingenuous mainstream media, political correctness, you know, and and for freedom, liberty and capitalism. And we need him. But I, I understand what you're talking about. You know, Trevor, I met you. I knew about you and you had been on my live radio show before I met you. But I met you. Three years ago, actually, in 2019 at Rock the Red, the, Rock the Red. convention yes, well, and down yeah. in Greenville, South Carolina, met your son. Your daughter was there that time, too. And you sat with Jane Bostic and I at the table uh, at the uh, table uh, for for the gala dinner when Doug Collins was speaking. And right after you and your, your kids got up and left, that's when James turned to me and said I should have my own radio show. And I laughed to him and I laughed in his face. But now I have my own radio show. <laughs> then I met you in January at Rock the Red again. And I am looking forward, Lord willing, from January 20th to the 22nd, coming up very shortly in Greenville, South Carolina. We're going to do it again. Laura Trump, uh, uh, Ralph, Dr. Ralph Reed. Uh, Roger Stone, uh, Mike Lindell, uh, Dr. Stella Manuel, keynote speakers, you will be speaking again. So I am looking forward to hearing you and seeing you. And what are you going to be talking about? I'm going to be talking, well, it depends. I'm going to, be going to talk, we're going to show enemies within the church at the conference. There's a little room where it's going to hold about 35 at a time, apparently. But we're going to do several showings of it. There's at least uh, the several hundred people going to be there, so not everybody's going to be able to see it. But 
Uh, talking a bit about that, but the situation in America today, we're in the revolution. How the heck do we get out of this? So some of the talking points I've discussed today, I'll be using then. And I think I was speaking one of the first speakers on Friday morning. So that should set the tone for the day. But I'm really looking forward. It's a great event. If anybody can is not considering going, please get there. Get to Greenville, South Carolina, two weekends away, and uh, you'll have a great time. You'll meet lots of patriots. You hear lots of great speakers. You'll come away energized, fired up. It's a, it's a real antidote for the blues, I'll tell you that. And I want to say this, people, because I've been the last two years, Lord willing, if I make it this time. And I'm, the reason I say that is because of, you know, I have to fly from New York to uh, South Carolina. And, you know, they're messing, trying to mess with unvaccinated people. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to get down there because I am not driving that far. And the train, I'm not wearing a mask for 14 hours. So but <laughs> what you what you learn, you got to understand something. And I was told this by <clears throat> By Lucretia Hughes, the first year that I went, I was trying to save my pennies to go to CPAC. And she told me, Gary, you don't want to go to CPAC. You know, you want to go down to Rock the Red. And I understand what she means. And I understand what Trevor just told you. Please understand what this is. It's not like the type of conservative convention where you're in the audience and they bring a keynote speaker up and the keynote speaker says what he's going to say or she's going to say for 20, 40, an hour. Thank you. Good night. Limo to the airport and on a plane. That's not what this is about. I'm sure Trevor will be there with his table selling his web. They are with you. They are in your midst. Most of the majority of people who speak, there's about 25 speakers. They're there for the weekend. You get to spend time. You can take pictures with you and you can talk to them. This is very very, very. Yeah, cool. it's, it's much more social, isn't it? You know, absolutely. It's much more party and people come up and... to you. It's very intimate, and you yeah. get to ask people questions, and 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 you get to know individuals. It's not like they have their security around you, like their Lady Lady Gaga or somebody, or you know Madonna or whoever. And and you know you got you got guys, martial arts expert, trying to wipe you out. It's it's a very very friendly environment. So. Trevor, I thank you for coming on. Before I ask you uh, how people can get in touch with you, just give them one more big dose of hope. Uh, why this is not fatalistically determined and over. Give people. Well, you know, and, and, and look, I say to people, you got to. We can only talk about hope when you face reality. Until you face reality, we we do not deserve hope. Reality comes first, you know, but what I'll say is this, you know, America is a special country. America was the only country in the world established on the principle that man's rights come from God, not from the government. Amen. That's what made America great. Many miracles in the Revolutionary War. You know, George Washington should have been shot off his horse multiple times, but he never was. You know, the fog came down in New York Harbor just at the right time. You know, there were many, many miracles. Even even the, the attack at Yorktown when, when George Washington won the war, totally unexpected. This is my point. You look at the Old Testament. You know, God never raised up a large army to take out a large army. It was there you always, go. It was always Gideon's army versus the horde. It was David versus Goliath. It was the American revolutionaries against the world's greatest military machine. 
What makes a difference is faith and courage. If you have faith in America, if you have faith in God, if you have faith in what is right and your place in the world, your courage will be unstoppable. You've got to deepen your faith. You've got to understand we're in a special country at a special time, at a time where we could go and change this great republic to become even greater for a thousand years. We're at such a time. We're in the Gideon's army time. We're in the Valley Forge time. You know, this is our time, and we have to have faith, and we have to demonstrate courage. And if we do those things, we can save this republic. Uh, from your lips to God's ears, and this is what I pray every night. Trevor, please tell people how they can reach you and get your great movies and great books. Yeah, you can go to Amazon. We don't like spending money on Amazon. So just go to um, trevorloudon.com. Loudon is L-O-U-D-O-N. But don't Google that because Google has forgotten my IP address. Um, put it in the search bar at the top of the page, trevorloudon.com. And I have a shop on my website. You can buy my DVDs. You can buy Enemies Within the Church, Enemies Within White. White House Reds and my earlier books. And they will all shock you, but they will all, I believe, if you're in a war, you've got to know who your enemies are. And my books will tell you that more than anything else you can find out there right now. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to one of the world's greatest authorities on communism. That is why I love this man. I saw him in Curtis Bowers' movies, Agenda and Agenda 2. Uh, and, uh, this was somebody I knew I had to get to 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 on the show. And he came on even when I didn't even have a show, when I just had a little segment on Rocking the Wolfman was the first time he came on. And I just knew that this man just was one of the greatest authorities. And this is years ago. This is three years ago. And boy, has he been right about everything. Uh, you know, Trevor, God bless you, James, the family, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. And I'm looking forward to seeing you down in Greenville. And let's yeah. rock out. Wa- so rock out gotta, one more time. Be there, Gary, if you can't fly, you got a bike, right? You yeah, be okay. yeah, maybe I can. Yeah, since I live on the East drive, Coast, maybe I can, get a, maybe I can boat. Maybe I can get somebody yeah, with a yacht, yacht, yacht down here to take me down. <laughs> Tie a whole lot of soda cans together and make a raft. <laughs> Whatever yeah. you have to do, be there, sir. Yeah, hey, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, Trevor Loudon, everybody, dropping, as I like to say, mega doses of truth. Mr. Trevor Loudon, please go to trevorloudon.com and check out everything he's got there. You will not regret it. Thank you, sir. Great being on, Gary. I want to thank my guest, Trevor Loudon, for sounding the alarm loud and long in regard to the resident evil of communism that has infected and infested our country. It's up to us, America, to rid ourselves of this threat to our constitutional republic form of government. That starts with identifying the threat and getting the word out to those in your circles of influence about the war we are in for the soul of our nation. Sharing this podcast would certainly help in that regard. I hope you were enlightened and inspired to get involved by what Trevor had to say. This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. My guest on the next podcast, which downloads on Tuesday, January 25th, is a blast from Hollywood past, former actress Morgan Brittany 
a star on the iconic TV show Dallas and co-owner of the conservative website Politichicks. Who can forget how Morgan's character, Catherine Wentworth, tried to kill Bobby Ewing, played by heartthrob Patrick Duffy, not once, not twice, but three times. Starting as a child star and being in the business for more than 60 years, Morgan loves to reminisce about Hollywood's glory days, and she's just as candid breaking down the demise of the industry when the Marxes moved in and took over. Hope you'll join us for this enlightening and entertaining interview. Pun intended. Thanks for listening in. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America.